Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. All right. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Um, Here we go with a great conversation with you today. You see I'm Rachel Marshall. We've got Bruce Weiner, my co-host with me, and a new face that you've never seen before, but you are going to really love and come to respect today. And that is Mike Kitko. Welcome to the show, Mike. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Rachel. Thanks for having me, Bruce. Sure thing, buddy. Awesome. Well, let's just give a quick introduction here first, and then I'm going to let you take it from there, Mike. So if you are in a position, if you're listening to this show and you're saying, I want to become extremely successful, Mike would call that breakthrough success. We're going to learn about what that means today. And you want to do that in a way that's not hard. This is the exact conversation for you to be in. So most people think success is really hard and Mike is going to tell you it's not. So he's going to blow up some of those um, mind fields that we have, some of those um, things that get in our way in our mindset and really help us to be able to come into that success. And so Mike, you are an author, you're a speaker, you're a coach. You help people lead powerfully, love selflessly, profit shamelessly, and play recklessly, which I love that. So, Mike, why don't you share with us a little bit of your backstory? How did you come to this awesome space that you're in today? Holy crap. So, 43 years, I made everything in my life as hard as I possibly could because I was taught and I felt that if it's not hard, it's not valuable. And if it's easy, then you're missing the point because you've got to make it hard in order for, you know, to fill up the, the gaps of happiness and, the, you know, the, to, to cover up the happiness and joy that you might experience in life. Cause that's not what life's all about. Life's about struggle and, and stress and, and suffering and sacrifice. And, and it goes back to, you know, childhood and, and some of the, you know, shame and guilt that showed up that was projected and taught and learned and adopted and believed. And, and I lived that. I carried it out. Like things, it, it, Bruce and I have been connected for years. And, and, and when I share my story, I said, listen, for a long time, I was a Fortune 500 executive and things came really easily. Like, uh, I mean, when you're in your zone, let's talk about zone of genius. When you're in mm-hmm. your zone of genius, and there's a great book called The Big Elite, check it out by Gay Hendricks. And when you're in your zone of genius, life is easy and effortless and things come easily and naturally for you. And you're like, this is where synchronicities happen. And this is where things show up. And this is where magic happens. And we we're skeptical and we're cynical of, of how easy it is when we're in our zone of genius. And when I was in corporate, I, w- I was building people and I was building teams and I could develop people and teams like nobody else could. It was so easy for me. I felt worthless and I felt value- valueless mm. because if I could do it, anybody could do it, right? And I didn't understand that I was in my zone. So I would, uh, I, I assumed responsibility for a $65 million manufacturing plant that was kind of on the on the verge of, of falling apart and being sold off, you know, to, uh, to some investors. And I, I walked in, I was handed the keys. I went through some processing on my leadership team. I brought in new talent. I merged that, that group. I got the wheels. We got the wheels and the gears spinning. And I felt like I got to get out of here because I have no value whatsoever. Right. These people are talented and I'm not because that, that is easy for me. 
And when things came easily, I found a way to make them hard. Like when, when my leaders started assuming responsibility and control in their functional areas, then I started working longer shifts because I can't, I can't have an easy life. Like, like I have to carry some kind of burden and responsibility. And I was so far in my zone of genius that it was completely uncomfortable and it felt unnatural. And oh, you look so around and you say, it, it, this isn't right. There's this cognitive dissonance that I learned from childhood that says life is hard and life was easy. So it, it didn't make sense. Mm. And that's, that's why I say now, look, think Think about this. There's, there's five parts to this journey. Number one is find your purpose and understand your purpose. Number two is create a vision in your life or your life that, that reflects like what you want to, to experience in your, in your health and your wealth and your relationships and your business, whatever. Number three is understand your desires and understand you're, you're never going to fulfill your desires ever. They're, they're going to come as soon as you as soon as you you satisfy one desire for a split second. There's another one that comes right back into its place. So that's a never ending cycle. You're never going to be satisfied in your desires. What when you're not happy with one? When you have two, you'll just want three, right? Mm. They'll keep coming. And when the next step is your zone of genius, get into flow in your genius. And number five is act out of that genius. And when you do this, things come easily and effortlessly. Well, but, there's. But we Go don't ahead. believe, but we don't believe it can be that easy. And and I, I shared a little bit ago, if if something's hard, I'm gonna I'm gonna either hire it out or I'm gonna like rent a machine. I don't want hard in my life anymore. It, life doesn't have to be hard. I have too much fun having joy and success and happiness and wealth the the easy way. Like my wife termed them struggle uh uh, uh grind gurus and hustle whores. Let all those guys teach everybody how to do shit hard. I'm looking for the path of least resistance. You know, you shared so much in there and we haven't even covered, uncovered half of your story yet as well. So we'll have to come back to that. But why is it? I mean, I'm sure you're speaking so many people's language. I mean, I'm, I'm finding myself in part of that as well. And I think it's this process of growing and self-awareness and growing out of that and learning about flow and learning about resilience and also learning about how to be in your uniqueness or your unique ability. And different people will call that different things. But why in the world? Do we think it has to be hard? Where do you think that really comes from? I, I think the mind has a problem with happiness. The mind creates problems where they don't exist. And when we don't understand, and this is one of the prosperity principles, right? When we don't understand what's happening up here and we don't understand how to discipline this and we don't understand how to eat the fruit and, and spit out the seeds when we don't understand that we can let the thoughts go the ones that don't serve the ones that create struggle and create stress out of joy and happiness mm -hmm. we can let them go and we don't have to follow them into a problem solving space you don't have to solve problems that don't exist and we spend a lot of time the average entrepreneur has 120,000 thoughts per day and <laughs> we, we, like Think about Absolutely. that. Think about the freaking mental chaos that we're in on a regular basis. Oh, yeah. We try to anticipate everything, but really what you're doing is you're trying to solve problems that don't exist. And, and mm. like some of those problems, when they show up, if they show up, we get to solve them. We don't have to solve them. We don't have to anticipate them. That's, that's part of our, that's part of our, our joy of being an entrepreneur. Find a problem, fix a problem, find a problem, fix a problem, find a bigger problem, fix a bigger problem, find an even bigger problem, fix a bigger problem. Don't try to avoid them. Don't look for certainty. 
look for bigger problems that you can solve, but you don't need to create them up here. They happen in real time in real life. Yeah, I mean, that's they, awesome. Right. So some of the most powerful time I have in my life is sitting in a chair doing absolute nothing and just enjoying the experience of, of free time, of non-distraction, of the, the feeling of happiness and joy and peace and prosperity that I actually get to experience on a regular basis because I'm not busy distracting myself and I'm not busy chasing problems that don't exist, like chasing ghosts. Hey, Michael, so, so, you know, people are going to be listening to this and they're going to go, yeah, right, right. Uh, what kind of problems, you know, could you have possibly had? And, you know, <laughs> you, you're, you, have, you have shared those very openly. Your, your book is awesome. You know, you and I have known each other. You've shared it with not only me, but with groups. Can you, can you share some of those situations in your life that were really, really bad and how you were able to overcome that situation. Yeah, I think Rachel kind of asked that and I just went in my own direction. So You know like, what? That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so in uh, 2016, March of 2016, I was fired after a long successful run in corporate. I was fired from my second uh, executive position, executive mm. level position in about 20 months. And that That's was after hard. a really long successful run of just you know, an easy climb up the corporate ladder, except I made it hard because I kept putting more burden and stress on myself. And uh, I, I was the reason I got I got let go and, and terminated is because I was a 300 pound uh, abusive, uh, suicidal guy who had a very toxic relationship with alcohol up to my up to my eyeballs. And mm. uh, my home environment was completely chaotic and full of conflict and full of abuse, mental and and physical and emotional abuse and and mm. like the struggle that I felt inside and the pain that I felt inside, I wanted everybody else to experience that too. Right. Cause mm -hmm. again, we, we see in the world what we feel. I didn't say this. I haven't said this yet, but we, we experience the world from our internal lens. So when we expect the life to be hard, when we expect life to be painful, then we see it everywhere and we, and we create it where it doesn't exist. So we, mm -hmm. we're living life right now through our beliefs. We're living life through our expectations of what life is, not reality. We're not living the reality that is. We're living through what we expect life is and through our belief system. And you know, as as That is so fascinating how two people can look at the same situation and one can say, wow, look how amazing that is. They were resilient. They, they mm -hmm. overcame adversity. They, they worked through that struggle and overcame. And the other person can look at the same situation and, look and say, that was just terrible. They were, you know they were rejected and, and it was unfair and look how terrible life was for them. And it can be the same situation with the two different lenses. Same exact situation. And that's why some people are successful entrepreneurs and some people aren't. So when, when, you know, when we're talking to our, our, our entrepreneurial community, if you're looking, if you love certain, or if you love certainty, the entrepreneur journey is not you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> work for somebody else. If you love uncertainty and you get excited for uncertainty and you get excited for the roller coaster and for the, the ups and downs and, and the emotions that's involved in uncertainty, looking forward to uncertainty, if you trust yourself in the presence of uncertainty, entrepreneurism is for you. Because those like two people with different value systems. One wants security, safety, secure or certainty, which don't exist, by the way, in anything. <laughs> when, you, when you value those things, you just just go and get a job. 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's probably the best. And then you'll get terminated from that when that, you know, when they downsize. But if like if you want the uh, experience, the full range of experience of everything that you could possibly experience in life, every emotion, every challenge, every obstacle, man, entrepreneurism is for you. But the, you have to understand if you if you love certainty or if you don't, and then you get to build a life around that. Well, good thing you're talking to our tribe of entrepreneurs. So they probably are not only, yeah, they get it. They resonate. They already understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And they maybe, maybe haven't heard it in those words before. But I love how you said, if you trust yourself in the presence of uncertainty, that that's confidence. <clears throat> so my definition of confidence, and, and I, I put this in, in uh, the, the prosperity principles, when we confidence is simply trusting yourself in the presence of uncertainty. That's all it is. It's, it's you understand no matter what happens. It's not that you know that you're going to get a certain outcome. It's not that you know how to handle a situation. You just know that you'll learn how to handle the situation and you'll trust yourself to be able to handle and survive and to whatever it takes, be resourceful enough to, to overcome the obstacle or go around the obstacle or eliminate it in some way, shape or form. It, it, confidence isn't the absence of, of uncertainty. It's, it's the presence, but we love it, right? That, that's what makes us successful entrepreneurs. So this needs to go in so many different directions. I'm going to ask you a question, but then I want to get back to your story. So how does confidence relate to, you said, being in your zone of genius? How do you see those two elements fitting and working together? When you're in your zone of genius, everything, it's like time stops and you, things, things happen for you and because of you. So, and this is what makes it uncomfortable. So being, Bruce has seen me uh, in front of a a crowd, in front of an audience before. Well, you guys now, but (laughs) I don't prepare. I don't prepare for, for a speaking engagement. Like give me, give me five minutes in a microphone and I'm good. Give me a topic and a microphone and I'm good. I'll figure it out when I'm there because that is my zone. That, that stage, I command that stage. I love the stage. Time stops. And if you give me 15 minutes, I'm probably going to take 50. And if you give me 50, I'm probably going to take three hours. I love being up there. That's your zone of genius. That's Think about time stopping, thinking about not having to think or not having to to process or not having to figure out what's my next step. The next step just comes easily and naturally to you. Confidence is more about in in the the obstacles that are coming at us, whether it be in our finances and our sales and our marketing and those those obstacles as they come at us, we know we'll be, just be able to to handle them. We'll, we we'll know how to get the answers and solve those problems as they come up. That's awesome. So, would you say that finding your zone of genius is a process, or do you just know it? How how can somebody say, okay, you know yours, Mike, because you've figured it out. You know where you are effortlessly flowing and where it's super easy for you. But what about the person who is still in the process of discovering their zone of genius? Is there any tools that can help them? Is there any clues that they can look for? How can somebody really say, what is my zone of genius and be able to own that with confidence? Yeah, here's, here's a tool that I use. When I was in corporate, I felt I had to do 999 things so that I could get to do the one that I love. 
I felt that I had to, to do all these different responsibilities that I hated and despised for the opportunity for that one thing that I loved that, that lit me on fire and created so much joy. And I was willing to do those 999 things just to get to that thing. And then after, after I, I left corporate or, or I was in, uh, unceremoniously invited out of corporate, I, I said, I'm never doing those 999 things again. I'm just going to do that one. So find that thing that you love more than anything else, right? It, look, in, in good to great, every business owner, if you haven't read good to great, then just close up tent and just stop. But every, we've all read good to great. And, you know, it's, it's called the hedgehog concept. It's what are, what are you great at, right? What are you passionate about? What are you really good at? And what will people pay you for? And if you, if you formulate that hedgehog concept, you're going you're gonna to have a business that's going to succeed and it's going to reflect you. It's going to reflect your values and it's going to look and breathe and smell and act and taste like you. And it's going to be awesome. And you're going to be in a business that you get to run and that you get to operate, not one that you have to, but you've got to find out like what lights your soul on fire and start giving that away. Not what does the market need where, where I'm trying to fill in this gap. It's hard to get out of bed when you don't like you're not passionate about the solutions that you're providing in the world. Mm, and I so think that's, that's what we do, right? Yeah. Business owners, if we're if we're not solving problems for other people, then what we're trying to do is we're trying to create problems that we then try to help them solve. Why don't we just find that thing that we love to solve for people and offer that to the marketplace? Because there's only 7.8 billion people on the planet. There's a couple of them who need what you have to offer. Absolutely. I love it. Hey, Michael, uh, talk about this um, struggle that, you know, you've often used the imposter syndrome. Uh, and I think that you can weave that into your principles of, of prosperity. But, you know, I, I see people being held back all the time from the guilt of being pros- prosperous. Yeah. And I, I think you have a really good take on that. So can you comment on that? Yeah, and, and that's why I say profit shamelessly, right? Because I think the, the the biggest struggle that that what I what I've experienced is the biggest struggle. One of the biggest struggles that human beings has is have is money, their relationship with money, and and understanding that money is just an object, right? Next to me, I'm sitting here, and I've got a coffee cup, and I've got a phone, but we place so much value and so much emphasis and so much emotional baggage and turmoil in the money that it creates a toxic relationship with money. And then we feel like one time I was sitting across from a, a prospect or, or a, a client and I was talking about money. And I said, if you feel like money is your lifeblood, if you feel like money is life, then of course you're going to grasp for it. Of course you're going to cling to it. Of course you're going to try to, you know, hold on to it with, with every fiber of your life. Because if you lose your money, then you lose your life. But the reality is, Oxygen is your lifeblood, right? Blood is your lifeblood. And those things are free and they're, they're effortless, right? They're, they're around you everywhere. So are you looking at money as your lifeblood or are you looking at money as a resource, right? That people mm-hmm. used, you know, people used to collect food like we collect money. Like, oh, yeah. Think about that. We don't have to collect food anymore, but people used to collect food and then we've just replaced that collection with, with money. So people are clinging to money as their source of life. And that's why sometimes we're ashamed of taking it away from people. 
right? Or asking for value from for our business. Because it, I mean, if if like if money is my lifeblood, then then I'm going to project that money's your lifeblood. And if I'm projecting that money is your lifeblood, then me taking it from you is actually doing harm to you. And it's mm. not. It's not. Taking money from someone for value, exchanging value for value is not hurting someone. It's giving them the opportunity to have a problem solved in their life that they, that they value and want solved. That's it. There's no guilt or shame in that. Money's, money's a resource. That is fascinating. And you know, as much as the work that we do around financial, your financial mindset and your abundance mindset, I've never heard it explained that way in this idea that if I feel that I need money because it's my lifeblood, then I'm going to project that on someone else. And then any receiving money from someone else will feel like I'm drawing the life out of them. I've just never heard it explained in that way. That's very fascinating. And I think probably one of the reasons why we can have all of this work that we do in our mindset about money, but really we have to understand that it is a value exchange. It is I'm providing value and that's the only reason dollars are exchanged. But that was just fascinating the way that I heard you say that. And I think we need to recognize that, again, our mindset projects on other people, which then influences and filters our belief about what's happening. Absolutely. And you see the world as you experience yourself. Every fear, every uh, trauma that you possess inside that you're still holding on, you think we're all dealing with and you're seeing the world through the through that lens. So if you're holding a really poisonous and toxic money mindset, a money heart set, then you're going to that's going to show up everywhere in your life. But when you resolve that, then you're, you're going to be like let go from that burden, but then you're going to the burden you're going to let everybody else go from that burden too and, and things are going to flow a little more easily and effortlessly. So there's a there uh, I, I love listen I, I love reading and I, I love sharing the books that I read that really make an impact and there's a book uh, by a fellow named Ken Honda and he's called the Zen millionaire, I believe, but um, he's a Japanese guy. And the book is called Happy Money. And it talks about the happy exchange of money. When you, when you give your service in a happy way, in a loving way, in a prosperous way that helps people, then the money is going, the money that you that you receive is going to sit in your bank account and it's going to be happy money in your bank account and happy money accumulates. And if you give that money in a happy way where you're exchanging value for value and you're blessing it on the way out and you're ha- you, you know you're, you're, you're helping someone else through the, f- the flow of money, then more money is going to come this way as well. So it's the happy exchange of money and it helps you, you know, glean or, or garner a, a healthier money mindset. But uh, that is so interesting. Cleaning that stuff up has been paramount to my life. And you know, when, when Bruce and I first met, it was all about the imposter in charge, right? My first book's t- titled The Imposter in Charge. It's about my time in corporate America. But now when I'm, when I'm networking or meeting someone, they say, Mike, what do you do? I say, I turn millionaires into happy millionaires. And it's just by getting in there and understanding what, what obstacles, what challenges, what pain they're still holding on to that they just, they're just choosing not to let go of. Mm. and letting that shit go. So I work with multimillionaires who are still like in survival mode thinking they have nothing just because- Let's talk about that for a minute because I think it can be this idea. I think we can all get wrapped in our head that because somebody else has more money than I do, which that applies to anybody, any single person, we can look at somebody who has more than we do and we think they have it all together. They- 
they've arrived and I want to get where they're at. So you just mentioned there is struggles at all level of, of having money. So why do we still struggle when we have the money? Because we, we put emphasis and value on money that it, ha- it, doesn't, it doesn't own, it doesn't possess, it's not capable of. We put our happiness and our success and our, our freedom in money and money it can't do that for you. So I have a mastermind of business owners and when people are struggling to make money, they come to me so I can help them make money because they, they want to feel happy and free and successful and they want to feel, feel valuable. Then I've got these other people in the same mastermind that are already millionaires and they come to me so that they can feel safe and secure and happy and prosperous and valuable because the money that they thought was going to do it didn't do it. And this is why some millionaires kill themselves because Mm. the thing, the only thing that they thought was going to bring them joy and happiness, it didn't. So they were getting, you know, they, they had to figure out that that I've got nothing figured out. Why, why am I going to continue? And that's a pretty bleak way to look at it, but we think money's going to solve all of our problems. And the only thing money can do is help you to not worry about, should it be this experience? Should I pick this experience or this experience? Money gives you the opportunity to pick both. That's it. It doesn't solve problems for you. It just gives you the opportunity and opens up more experiences in the world. It's not your lifeblood. It's not your happiness. It's not your success. It's not your value. It's not your your real self-worth. But we place so much emphasis on it that we get lost in it. So fascinating. So then what you're saying is that nobody really has money problems. We have self-worth problems that we project onto money. Is that? I think your self-worth is your, your real worth. And the higher the self-worth, the higher your net worth naturally, not through struggle, not through stress, not through suffering and not through pain, not through pushing a rock uphill. But when you increase your self-worth, your, your, your financial net worth naturally increases in a joyful way, in a loving way, and in a healthy way. So those two aren't at odds, right? And if you look at some people, um, if you look at, there's, they're all over Facebook. They, they, they're standing in front of their Lamborghini telling you, you should buy this book, right? Guys, that's, these guys, they're grind gurus, hustle whores, whatever you want to call them. They're literally, they've given their self-worth over to their materials, over to their money. They said, I'm inadequate, so I've got to stand in front of this Lamborghini to prove that I'm valuable. That's a, that's a pretty painful place to be. Mm. I don't have as much money as my clients, but they come to me so I can help them feel happy. <laughs> that's, it's a crazy place to be, right? So when you, and when you get there and they pay me handsomely so that I can help them understand what's happening in here and in here that's keeping them from feeling that success and happiness that they really have accrued, but they haven't given themselves permission to feel because mm. they're still holding on to poison inside of them, but they've got band-aids all over, right? You can't, you can't cure a poverty mindset. You can't cure a scarcity mindset with more money. It can't be yeah. done. That's so, so true. So this is really good because, Mike, I don't know if we've ever talked about this before, but when I was in education, um, I was demanding, um, maybe to a fault, on you know making sure that, that my students were getting every bit they could out of their educational process, whether it was in the classroom or on the field. And a lot of times uh, people would say, 
oh, if, if you're that demanding, you're going to squelch their self-worth. Mm-hmm. And I would say to them, I don't believe that. I, believe, I don't have, think I have anything to do with their self-worth. Mm-hmm. They, they obtain their self-worth by achievements. And it drives me crazy because I think we're in this generation of, you know, everybody wins kind of thing because that's how they're going to, you know, obtain self-worth. And that's what you're dealing with, right, all the time. You, you, you've proven that these millionaires who have uh, obtained things yeah. still don't, they still don't have self-worth. Mm-hmm. So am I, am I uh, hitting the, you know, nail on the head here or? Absolutely. And, and I, had a, I had a guy sitting across from me the other day and he said, I, I, look, I, there's, I'm a Marine veteran too. So I've got a little bit of edge to me, a little bit of directness, right? Sergeant Kitko likes to come out and play every once in a while. And he was sitting across from me. He's like, man, I, look, I, I, I want to say something, but I don't know how to say it because I don't want to like, and I was like, brother, you're not going to hurt my feelings, right? You, you're not powerful enough to hurt my feelings. And, and he said, well, that's kind of a bold statement. I'm like, look, you, I'm not like diminishing you. What I'm saying is I own my emotions. I own my feelings. I know who I am. And there's nothing you can do about that. <laughs> you can't shrink me. I can only shrink myself. I own my feelings. I own my value, my worth. And there's nothing that you can do to diminish that. Like and there that's are the truth for that. everyone, except we don't own them. <laughs> You're either an owner of who you are or you're a victim of who everybody else thinks you are. And you get to choose which one of those you are. And I was a victim for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. That's why I had a toxic marriage because I thought my job was to make my wife happy. And then when I didn't make her, when I did everything she asked and I didn't make her happy, then I, then I abused, I I became like freaking angry and I went into a rage because I did, I checked all the boxes and you're still not happy. Right. So there was so much, I, I owned, I tried to own everybody else's happiness. And when I literally stopped, I filed for divorce after, uh, after I lost my job and, and I started putting my life back together and I've lost nearly a hundred pounds and, and, you know, I, my, my, my relationship with alcohol is not what it used to be. And, and like my life is, is back together and I'm working with people around the, around the world. It's really fun to be me. I don't have as much money as everybody because I don't grind and I don't hustle and I don't do shit that I don't love. I only do what I, I, I say yes to things I love. I say no to things I don't, right? So it's mm-hmm. on my terms. But one of the main things I had to realize when I, uh, right before I filed for divorce is, I am responsible only for my happiness and even my family members are responsible for theirs. And there's nothing I can do to make them happy when they're choosing not to be happy. So when my wife still looked at me, right. And she still projected her unhappiness on me. I, I wouldn't take it after, after a while, after I, I learned that I couldn't make some, an angry person happy, I couldn't make an unhappy person happy. When she started projecting it onto me, I just had to allow her like be Teflon and allow her to own that and, mm. and really not take action on what the words, the guilt and shame that she was slinging at me and the attacks heated up and I filed for divorce and then the attack stopped magically. Right. Because I wasn't playing on those terms any, anymore. And I wasn't going to be in that battlefield anymore the rest of my life. And this is when uh, the alcoholic people that I had in my life all started running away. And all the, the people that were in pain that I had attracted into my life, that we were all living in a whole place of shame and guilt and, and just uh, toxicity, uh, they all started running away because, you know, darkness can't stand to be in the same room as light. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get we get to do that when we shine our light. People's like people get the choice to either either uh, increase the volume of their light or run away. 
but I'm not going to, I'm not going to coexist in a, in a room or in a house with people that are just shining their darkness. Now you can't stop there. Talk about Angie now. Hmm. Angie is my wife of 20 years this year. We've been together for 22. She is the woman that I filed for divorce. She is my absolute freaking best friend. Oh, she's, that's so cool. She's my lover. She's my love. She's my partner. She, we, we put it all back together and it all, it, that all happened when I filed for divorce because I, 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 I had to, I had to shake things up and I had to let her know we weren't playing on those terms anymore. Mm. I didn't do it as a punishment. I literally had mentally ejected saying, Hey, we're just not going to be good for each other the rest of our life. But that single incident, uh, that single, um, event catalyzed just a rebuilding of everything in our relationship and our marriage and our friendship. And uh, it was really uncomfortable for my kids because my kids were used to chaos and they were used to crisis and they were used to just angry or anger and and arguments. And my kids actually said it was uncomfortable being in a peaceful house as as Angie and I started building it back together, but we stuck in there and now we have uh, peace and love and joy at home. I got two teenage daughters, so there's that element. But we've got we've got peace and love and harmony and joy at home, and I get to uh, run this business. It's the business of my dreams, and um, the journey that I went on physical health like in, encouraged everyone to do the same. So now we're all watching what we eat, we all exercise, and everybody's health improved because oh, I good. Decided, I decided to be a leader and not not just a survivor anymore. You know what's really interesting, and I think I saw a statement about leading yourself on your website as I was getting re- getting to know you. I mean, this is the first time I've met you eyeball to eyeball here. But what's really interesting is I think that real leadership starts with leading ourselves, and I'm becoming increasingly aware of this that we have to be able to lead ourselves, and sometimes we're the hardest people to lead, and yet when we choose to lead ourselves, then other people choose to lead themselves, and then we raise the level of accountability and ownership of everyone around us. And it's just fascinating how that starts with our decision. We can't really change anyone else. And I know that sounds really cliche that you have to change yourself first, but it's just really interesting how owning your stuff you, you literally, makes so much difference. You literally have to put yourself first. And I tried to get my kids to uh, to make better decisions, but until I made better decisions, they they didn't know how I had to mm-hmm. show them, right? Yes. They're, they, they, my teenage daughters don't listen because they're too big, <laughs> getting emotional. My teenage daughters don't listen because they're too busy watching. Think about that. They, they don't listen at all. They shut, they put, they put their fingers in their ears. They don't want to hear what I have to say, but they are watching. Mm-hmm. They're learning from my behavior. So when I told them to make better decisions, they had no idea how to. When I started making better decisions, they started making those same decisions. And this is why we're all taking care of ourselves. I, I had this thought the other day. I go, I, I run a couple times a week. And every time I run, I have these huge bursts of inspiration. And this thought came to me. I said, success, happiness, and wealth are a product of a healthy blend of selfishness and selflessness mixed in with heaping servings of trust and gratitude. Mm. And that like, thank you. Right. Cause it just like, it just came to me. It was like that quick. I didn't create, I didn't make it like it just came, it just downloaded. But 
It's a healthy blend of selfishness and selflessness. And we need to know when to demonstrate both of those. My morning is mine. My morning is mine. And when I have my morning and I pour into myself and I get myself into alignment with who I am and my health, get my mind right, get my soul right, get my heart right, I'm still, still expressing emotion here, if you know what I mean. When I get myself right, then when my, my, my wife and my kids come down the steps, then I can be selfless because I've already established a baseline of selfishness that allowed me to be the very, very best human being that I can be at that moment for my, for my family. Mm. But until I do that, if I sacrifice myself, then I'm just being a martyr. Mm -hmm. well, it's the same thing in business, right? We have to have that perfect blend of selfishness and selflessness. Know, know when it's got to be about me and it's got to be about you and blend them perfectly, right? So in my business, and I tell my team this, it's always a yes until you prove that you're just a taker. <laughs> if you prove to me that you're just a taker, we're done. But up until that point, the answer is always yes. Mm. Got it. I, I, I want to serve. I got gifts. I got talents. I've got time. I want to serve until you show me that you're only out to take. That's when it stops. And that kind of, I mean, that goes back to even, I'm sure you've heard of Bob Berg and the go-giver, mm -hmm. but that reciprocity of this, Absolutely. I need to receive. I need to be able to fill myself up so that I can overflow and be able to give to others. And I think that's really important for us to remember because whether you're a parent, whether you're a business leader, whether you're leading a large company, wherever you are right now, even if you are running a nonprofit, it's not just about what you're doing for others. It's also about you being a healthy version of you. So, Hey, th this conversation, we could go so many places. Tell us about, um, you've mentioned your book, um, the That's imposter. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, let, let's talk about finished, the next book. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, the prosperity principle. So I'd like to introduce this because, yeah, go ahead. Um, I actually took Michael gave me a PDF copy, and uh, I took it on a trip with me, and I read it from the start to the end. And I, I don't remember Michael if I text you or or what I did, but I basically said, hey, no bullshit. This is a great book. I'm not just saying it because of you, and. I can actually prove that because when I was on the plane, I was reading it on my laptop. The guy across the aisle was reading it with me. And, and when I co completed, he taps me on the shoulder. He goes, how can I get that book? And mm -hmm. I, go, I go, well, I, I can send it to you if you want. I, I said, I know Mike. He's not going to say, hey, you got to go to Amazon. He's not going to get mad at me because I gave his book away. And so uh, I gave the guy the ca my card. And uh, you know, I said, email me. And cause like Michael's also taught me, I mean, he's got to do a little work too, you know? Mm -hmm. So, uh, he never did email me, but, um, but it did inspire him because he was looking at this book. I mean, that's how good the book was. Somebody across the aisle on the airplane was like enthralled and read it the entire time with me. That's so hilarious. The, yeah. The prosperity principles are the re I mean, and Mike's going to say the same thing, you know, we all take stuff we've learned from mentors. We've learned from villains in our lives. We learn from all these different people and we've packaged it. It's the communication that's important. Yeah. Um, there's very few really, really like new thoughts. Uh, but the, 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 the value is how you take those thoughts and present them properly to the receiver. 
And so, um, he, he touched me in my heart, uh, on that. I reached out to him and now Mike, I'd like you to go through the principles, uh, so that people are also touched by the principles from you. Yeah. So thank you so much for that, Bruce. And, and yeah, look, th- this book came together in a very, it, my first book, the imposter in charge, it, it took me two years to write mm. that book. This book, there was there's so much goodness in it. It took me, you know, months, and I just wanted it out as fast as possible. So it's it's right now. It's only available on PDF, and we're going to put it on Kindle really soon. Nice. Um, but I just want this book in as many people's hands as possible because these are the principles that that literally helped me b- rebuild my life. Okay, and some of the same principles they're not called the principles are in the imposter in charge but this is just packaged with you know in a way that it just logically makes more sense all right so i'll take you through them briefly um prosperity principle one is number one is about self-awareness and uh, you can go in and see the full principle in in the uh in the actual book but number one is about self-awareness and it's the more you know yourself the more you accept yourself the more you embrace yourself the more you honor yourself the more your un or your your natural path will unfold. So if you know, I work with a lot of real estate investors, right? I love real estate investors. Some of them are completely out of their their purpose, out of their their lane because they're they're money driven, they're they're money fear driven, mm-hmm. and some of them are scared to fully. They know they belong, but they're scared to jump in. Both of these are a problem, right? So in, in, for them, that's why they're not feeling full like prosperity and success and happiness and wealth. You got you to understand what you're built for and what you're built to accomplish and be that like shamelessly. Prosperity principle number two is about dreams and your vision. It's big dreams, big life, small dreams, small life. The smaller you dream, you're going to stay in survivor mode. You're, you're, you're going to be in survival mode. So as your dream expands, so will your outcomes. And as your outcomes expand, so will your opportunity to experience more of what life has to offer. It literally is that simple, but a lot of people are afraid to dream big. But dreaming big fearlessly is what opens up the opportunity for more to come, come at you and come towards you. Prosperity principle number three is about physical well-being. Look, when I didn't have, when I was 300 pounds and I was up to here with alcoholism, I I didn't have any energy. I was always fatigued. I was, I mean, nobody wanted to be around me because I looked like a mess, not just, Mm. not just my size, but you can see someone who's fatigued and tired and you can see when somebody has low energy and that the, the opposite vitality dynamism is an attractive force and people want to be around that. I've literally had people hire me because they felt really good in my energy. It gave them a boost. So physical well-being is important. Prosperity principle number four is about mental clarity. It's about understanding that you are in control of what's happening up here. You can't start and stop thoughts. Thoughts happening for that thoughts happened for you, but you can discern what you attach to and what you let go. And you don't need to solve every problem that pops up. And you can start to discipline your mind to only focus on what you want instead of what you don't. And as you focus on what you want, more of that shows up in your life. Prosperity principle number five is about emotional courage. This is the hardest one by far for all of of everyone that I've ever worked with. And it's about feeling the feelings that you don't want to feel. Mm. It's about being like unafraid to lose things that you don't want to lose. 
because you're as you're as you're riding the ladder of prosperity and success and wealth there's going to be people that fall off because we attract like the level that we're at right and as we ascend you got to be willing to lose people that you don't want to lose i've lost more family members i've lost more close friends on this journey than i could even count mm. because as you ascend we're just not good for each other anymore and like as a marine veteran you've got to be willing to feel what you don't want to feel I am scared every single day, but courage isn't the absence of fear. It's the mm. presence of fear and still moving towards the target. You got to be willing to feel feelings that you'd rather not. Prosperity principle number six is about social connection. One of the things that me and Bruce have is we have a connection where I can tell him what I'm scared about. He can tell me what he's scared about. He doesn't judge me. I don't judge him. I love him more when he tells me his deepest, darkest shit and likewise. And when you have a group of those people in your life, you're unstoppable. Nobody else matters. Haters suddenly don't matter when you have such a deep-rooted connection with a group of people who won't let you feel broken for long, mm. no matter how broken you feel. And number seven. That's awesome. Yeah. And number seven is, and this is where we usually start in our entrepreneurial journey. It's about competence. It's about attaining mastery in your craft. 10,000 hours, right? Malcolm Gladwell. But mm -hmm. This is where we end. Those first six set you up to actually use the competence that you've attained. But if you put that first, you're missing out on that whole train that you that that you you require to build personal power to put that competence into play. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you. This was fascinating. And you know, it's interesting how you could think, well, hey, you just uncovered all the principles. Why do I need to read the book? But I would have only thought that before you asked or before you told about the book, because now I have to get it. And I did not learn about you in time to be able to read the book in advance, but I will absolutely be getting your book. That is fascinating. There's lots of reflective exercises and to see how it's showing up in your life and what you can do to improve in those dimensions. There's a lot of work in the book to help you connect with it powerfully. Well, that is fascinating. So there's so much more that we could unpack today. This has been really, really rich. Bruce, is there anything that we really need to talk about before um, we talk about how somebody can connect with him? Well, I was just thinking of a couple things, Michael. Um, I started to listen to a, po a podcast, Rob Dial. I don't know if I've introduced you to him yeah. uh, yet, but Rob uh, said something that's kind of related to what you said about you control your own uh, mm -hmm. mind. He says nobody can, nobody can uh, hurt you because you can only be hurt by something that you already believe to be true. Exactly, one hundred percent accurate. And he gives an example, and it, and you know, I kind of knew that, but you don't necessarily live it. I mean, you're the same way. You know things really well, but we still fall into the little traps. That's why we need self awareness. Mm -hmm. That's why we need coaches, mm -hmm. you know, to to get us back. In. That's why we need good spouses to slap us upside the head and tell us, you know, we're, we're messed up. But he said, you know, Hey, think about this. You're walking down the street and somebody says, I hate your pink hair. And he, he goes, you don't even think second of it. Cause you, you don't even have pink hair. Uh, he said, and then somebody says, Hey, you're walking down the street and they say, Oh, I hate your blue shirt. 
when you kind of got a bluish green shirt on, so now you're like getting a little more self comp mm-hmm. or self um, aware that well maybe that these people and then they then they come to you and say, hey, I hate the fact that you're overweight, and then all of a sudden you're crushed because you believe you're overweight. That's exactly right. And when he put it to me in that situation, I thought, boy. That's that's a way that everybody can understand that you control your own emotional thoughts. I just blogged about this not too long ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago, and it's about emotion flies in your body when what somebody's saying about you, you perceive to be true. All you need to do is pay pay attention to your emotion and the ener- emotion is just energy in motion. Guys, you, you understand that. Mm. Hopefully everybody understands that. Emotion is energy in motion. It's the energy that's flying through your body. So when you feel energy triggered in your body, that is emotion and energy is triggered from truth. If somebody says, you're awesome and you believe it, then suddenly emotion starts flying through your body. When somebody says you're fat and you feel like shame, you believe it's true. Because energy just started flying through your body. So as an example, there was this guy that I worked with really early on. Most loving, kind fella I've ever met in my life. 350 pounds, just a huge teddy bear. And the guy was in such deep shame and such you know deep guilt and just trying to put his life back together. And when I was trying to explain this concept with him, I said, listen, I love you. I love you a lot. And I say that a million times a day, but I love you a lot. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some, some things and I, I don't want to hurt you. I want to show you like the truth in, in this concept. And he was sitting there. I said, are you ready? Brace for this. And he, he braced. I said, you are skinny. And I used some F words, but I said, you are as skinny as F. You are the skinniest person I've ever seen in my life. If you turn sideways, nobody can see you. Like you can hide behind the skinniest tree. And he started laughing. I said, why are you laughing? He said, because none of that's true. And then I immediately flipped it and I started saying, you are a, and I started saying some really disparaging, really hurtful things. And you could see his face get red and the shame show up on his face. Guys, what we feel is true about ourselves. We will feel true. It's not about what the person's saying. It's just like the orange, an orange and a knife. When you, when you stick a knife in an orange, what happens to the orange juice? Squeezes out. Did the knife create the orange juice? No. No. Same thing with words and shame or guilt or anger. The words didn't create it. The words just touched the spot and made you feel it. And you, what, this, is, this is why emotional courage is required because it's the willingness to feel things you don't want to feel and still feel ownership for yourself and still be willing to move forward. Knowing that the person didn't cause that emotion, the person didn't cause that feeling, you did, and it's yours to resolve. Mm. So we must be willing to feel things we don't want to feel and learn from that and resolve them, right? So look, when I was a child, I was molested, I was abused, I was neglected, I was abandoned, it, every, it bullied, everything that could possibly happen. I was shamed in, in religious guilt, everything that could possibly happen you know, to a child up to turn his life upside down. And I had to realize that that was my journey to heal. Those things happened for me. And as I resolve those things, I can see them in the world and I can help people resolve them because they're just at some point, their choices to hold on to the pain of those things are just choices that we're making. We can resolve them and let them go. And we become more powerful for it. Mm. And people can't hurt us the same way. If we choose 
that to be the case. Now, that's uh, what's interesting is, you know, um, and we're, we're going to wrap up here in a second, but I, I kind of get in a roll here. Uh, you know, this whole uh, body shaming that's mm-hmm. out there now. Um, I have a hard time with that because a lot of times I don't think it's body shaming. I think it's about trying to help the person live more healthy. So I don't think a person, and Mike, you can correct me, I don't think a person should be comfortable being 100 pounds overweight just because they want to be uh, comfortable being uh, 100 pounds overweight because that's not good for them in their health-wise. So a person that they you know, truly love and have that good relationship ought to be able to say to them, hey, I think you really need to lose some weight and then not respond, well, I love, I love myself the way I am. Um, and I guess you could love the, yourself the way you are, but that's still not what's best for you health-wise. Well, you, you comment on that because I, I, I'm, I'm struggling with that right now. Okay. So there's 7.8 billion people. And I think we all, I know, we each have our individual journey. And there's, there are no shoulds. I'm just, I'm just sharing my perspective, Bruce. There are no shoulds. And there are no musts and there are no you have tos. So here's an acronym. Guys, like right now, if you haven't written anything down, please write this. And I didn't make this up. So I'm just sharing it because I've learned it and it's powerful. There's an acronym and it's love, L-O-V-E. And it stands for letting others voluntarily evolve. That's a biggie. Nobody needs to do anything different at all. They need to journey their journey. And we get the opportunity to become non-judgmental and allow them to live their journey and not assume responsibility for their journey and not own their pain and not own their obstacles and their challenges and allow them to figure them out on their own from a place of non-judgment which is a place of love, letting others voluntarily evolve. It's the same for my wife and my kids. They struggle and it's, they're not my job. It's not my job to take their pain away or their struggles or their obstacles. I'm not sure we lost you. Bruce, are you, is it glitching for you or can you hear him? Uh, it is glitching. And of loving more. It's glitching. Yeah, it was glitching pretty good. That's okay. all right. That's a good, that's a, that's a great place to, to end up. Let's make sure we get people know how to get in contact with. Absolutely. Well, Mike, this has been fascinating. I mean, the whole show, I think there's just so much truth behind everything that you're saying. And I think it comes from this place of vulnerability, of authenticity, of being honest, of being courageous. I mean, those are all at the core, allowing you to be able to share things that we all know are true but sometimes we don't want to admit or we don't want to step into the place of having to own what you're saying. Yeah. And one of, one of the most valuable things I've learned is you're only as powerful as the secrets you keep. So when you let your secrets go, then your power increases, right? So vulnerability, transparency, honesty, integrity, these are the counter and these are like the, the remedy to the imposter syndrome. So when mm. we allow people into our lives to, to learn who we really are and what we're scared of and what we're afraid of and what our challenges are, then suddenly the, the imposter syndrome dissolves. So good. So good. Well, Mike, how can somebody reach out to you? How do they get your books? How do they get your coaching? 
you speak as well. How does somebody find out about you and what do you have to offer once they do? Yeah. So thank you for that. Uh, my website is livesoulout.com. And that's the whole point of all this. It's to, to let go of all the obstacles and the challenges that you have and, to, and the shoulds and the musts and you have tos and start to live a life that you get to live. And that's what prosperity really is, right? Health, wealth, love, having it all. And the, the website is livesoulout.com. On there, you can access the prosperity principles. And if you buy the prosperity principles, you actually also get a, a copy of my first book, The Imposter in Charge, all digital products. And there's a couple other bonuses as well. But yes, listen, actually, have- there's one, sorry, tell no. what you were going to say, but I saw one of the bonuses was building a profitable business or something like that as well. So yeah, it's starting from the ground up, right? I, I built this business from just going out and telling people what problem I solved for other people. That's it. Bruce saw me at that point, right? Mm-hmm. The, the people you serve, the problem you solve, the pain you help them uh, resolve in your life. That without marketing, I got the six figures just by those three things and telling people what I did. And it grew from there. So um, I offered this, you know, that kind of perspective of how to build this easily and effortlessly. That's awesome. So they can reach you at Live Soul. That's S O U L out live soul out.com yeah thanks for correcting me that yeah and mike's a mike's a active user on linkedin so that's another place that the people can connect to him on linkedin and and my favorite thing to do right now i have my mastermind uh we just i just split the mastermind so now we have two groups we have retreats every four months we get together every week and it's business owners helping business owners live soul out and live a completely uncompromised life where we get to step into our authenticity, our passion, and be grat- uh, be grateful for everything that we have in our lives. Absolutely awesome. Is that something that's available only where you live locally, or is that virtual as well? No, it, it's virtual, and wherever we, wherever we collect as a group every four months, you'll just have to show up, and, and we travel every once in a while. So, um, it's just being part of the group that is looking to make a difference in the world through our success and wealth and happiness. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Mike, it has really been great to have you on the show today. So Mike Kitko, K-I-T-K-O. Am I spelling that correctly? You did. Thank you. All right. So if they look you up on LinkedIn, Mike or Michael? Mike Kitko on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Uh, yeah. All the social media, except Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. No problem. Listen, you got to do what you got to do. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being authentic and genuine. Thank you for sharing the struggles and also what's possible. I think so many times we miss that part of what is possible if you dream big, if you are courageous, if you do exercise self-leadership, if you do own your stuff and you are vulnerable, there's just so much possibility. And so thank you for showing that. I'll end it this way, guys. Listen, at the end, the last chapter is not, and I'm not talking about my book, but the last chapter is you're going to die. The mind and the body dies. So why not just like go all out and live soul out while we're here? What, why, why are we, why are we, why are we leaving anything on the table? Let's yeah. just, let's just go get it and have it all and, and, and do it from a place of joy and happiness and excitement, not from scarcity and poverty and just struggle and survival. That shit doesn't make it. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Well, folks, you have heard it today. Go to livesoulout.com, find out more about Mike Kitco. And if you are wanting to dig into the money advantage and the resources that we have here, I'll just tell you really quickly, we help people to really assess their full financial picture, keep in control more of their money, be in a position where they protect that and make more money, really optimize your entire financial life not from a place of scarcity, but so that you can create as much possibility in your life. You can truly have the time and money, time and money freedom and be in a position where you are living really the best life that you can possibly live. So uh, please go ahead and like this video, subscribe to us on YouTube, subscribe on Facebook, and we would love to hear your comments and questions even after the show as well. So thank you so much for being with us today. And I will say, Mike, thank you so much for being a fabulous guest. Thanks, Mike. Thank you guys so much. It's a privilege and an honor to be here. Awesome. Now in closing, please remember success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd and build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now, and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.